0: This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Kansas State Chaplain for the Knights of Columbus, Father Bernie Georges, talks about value them both. The amendment Kansas will be voting on August 2nd, 2022. Why is it so important for Christians to vote yes to this amendment? Who is watching this vote? Well, let's find out. Father Georges is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Cody Marinser.
1: Maybe just a quick introduction. So, uh, Father Bernie Georges is the pastor of St. Peter the Apostle Catholic Church in Wichita. He's also the state chaplain for the Knights of Columbus. Father Bernie has been busy going throughout the state, educating the faithful on the value of them both amendment, which Kansans will be voting on in August. August of next year, and that's what uh, our that question was just about. Um, and, and Father Bernie, I know um, this isn't um, on uh, on topic necessarily, um, at least not on the notes that I have. But um, you were here in Hayes um, not too long ago, um, speaking about this, correct?
2: That is correct. That is correct. We were able to hit uh, all three parishes there, um, St. Joseph, uh, McLeod of Mary, and St. Nick's. And excellent reception uh, at all. And we even went to the uh, Student Union Center. I can't pronounce that. Comeo. (laughs) That's okay. It's Como. At at Fort Hayes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the Como Catholic Uh, Campus Center. Very good.
2: Yes. That is good, yes. And anyway, so, yeah, we've been um, traveling uh, basically from the Colorado border, and we're making our way to the Missouri border in the state of Kansas and just teaching, educating folks and inspiring them to get out and vote uh, August second, two 2022
1: that is absolutely wonderful uh, you know i'm excited to get into this uh with you because uh you know um, some people may have heard about this um some people uh, maybe haven't um and i think a good place for us to start then is the kansas supreme court ruling here in you know i might mess this up but is it hodes and nauser or schmidt
2: yeah richmidt yeah and okay. um, in, in april of 2019 the supreme court after due uh, diligence studying the kansas constitution basically stated that every person in the state of kansas has the right to an abortion that the uh, number one and number two the abortion industry you know should not does not need to be regulated and there is no reason why we shouldn't have taxpayer funding going to this uh, systematic termination of children so the religious leaders uh, rose up uh, in the state of Kansas, not just the Catholic bishops, but also religious leaders from the, uh, the Baptist Church, Missouri Synod, Lutheran, the uh, Evangelicals, rose up and they formed a commission or coalition called Value Them Both. And they presented it to the uh, legislators in the state of Kansas, and it was not successful in 2019. After the 2020 vote, they went back again to the new legislators. And it was passed by supermajority um, by both the House of Representatives and, and our Senate. And so they, the House of Representatives allowed this proposal to go on to the ballot so that we, the people of Kansas, might be able to vote whether or not to uphold the Supreme Court ruling. Now, what does this mean? It means that it will... the document itself for the value of them both is a document regarding basically undoing what the uh, Supreme Court uh, said that we can do. It, it, simply put, it uh, states that the people of Kansas, they don't have a right to an abortion. Number two, that we should, not be, uh, we should be able to regulate the industry. And secondly, no, none of our taxpayer funds should go to that. So they basically wrote this proposal. It was passed by supermajority with the legislators. And now it is on, going to be on the ballot of August 2nd, 2022. So that's where we're going out. And so we're just educating people to know that proposal is going to be on our ballot. And we need to vote yes. And to say, let's, let's, you know, go back before the supreme court discovery and uh, their ruling and so that we can regulate with with the help of our legislators we can regulate this industry
1: now maybe you can tell me. Um, I, I, I'm willing to be schooled on anything <laughs> because I know uh-huh. I know a lot less than I do know. Uh, but uh, I, I, I was told that um, uh, the Kansas Supreme Court actually found in the words the right to life, the right to do this, or something like that. Am, am I correct? Like, well, the,
2: I believe somewhere in our constitution, and I was. Um, Trying to look for that myself, but okay. I was told, I was told, so forgive me for being ignorant here on this, me but too. I was told that we used a bit of, bit of the preamble uh, to our declaration, a United States declaration, where we had the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I quickly was looking at the uh, Constitution this morning, and I couldn't find those words, uh-huh. <laughs> but something similar to it. But so the um, Supreme Court basically said for the pursuit of happiness. Uh, oh, it is is there, for the person might be able to have this uh, procedure.
1: Ah, uh, so now we have trumped life for our personal view of happiness. Yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah, hopefully. basically,
2: yeah. Basically, that's it. Yeah. And so, uh, what I think it, I think is uh, crucial is that we understand that we're we're coming from a different worldview uh, as Christians. Uh-huh. And I I don't think sometimes we Christians appreciate the worldview that has been handed, handed on to us by uh, Jesus Christ and his scriptures and the church. And so the, to recognize that there is dignity and sanctity in each human being. And there's countless examples that Jesus uses. That I, I use uh, always the example of the Good Samaritan. You know, he was from Jericho to Jerusalem, he was traveling, and he was caught by a band of robbers and beaten and left half dead. The priest walked by, the Levite walked by, but the Samaritan who hated Jews looked upon him with compassion. And so he was able to, Jesus uses this parable to say, look, we have to, even if our enemy, we have to recognize the dignity and the sanctity of each human being. And so he got off his animal and gave him uh, compassion with wine, with oil, bandages, and a couple silver coins and brought him to the inn. So this is, this is a worldview that is going to be strange at the time of Jesus Christ. It's going to shake human history that we recognize the dignity and the sanctity of every single human life. Why? Because we're made in his image and in his light. And I think that is
1: what changes human civilization. Yeah, I I think you are uh, right on point there. You know, sometimes uh, pro-life people get... um get talked about as well you're just kind of uh, pro-birth and then you're not really worried about mm-hmm. it you know um, mm-hmm. why is it important to value life from conception to natural death um and why in your opinion are many around the world um, e- even some catholics uh, believing that it is right to kill a baby in the womb
2: yeah and And again, it goes back, as I was mentioning earlier, about our worldview, our Christian worldview, that if everyone, everyone has that dignity and that sanctity of life, there there is going to be uh, less killing and greater respect for the born and the unborn, you know. And this is where we see in in the history of the Christian Church this worldview permeating um, the church's apostolate, permeating the church's uh, activities, so that we care for the poor, that we care. So and again, a lot of people will say to us, well, you guys are just concerned about the unborn baby, but once the baby's born, then you don't care anymore. That's hogwash. I've got to watch my language here. But anyway, that's <laughs> hogwash. <laughs> and uh, because we, throughout the history of the church. Jesus says to us, Matthew 25, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was naked and you gave me clothing, You're lonely and you visited me, and so on. And the people in his parable said, Lord, Lord, when do we ever treat you in your needs? He says, Whatever you did to the least of these, you did for me. So this is this is in the very core of who we are as Christians and in our worldview as we work with with one another. So again, yes, we do state we do state as we as the Church teaches us in the seven themes of Catholic social doctrine that the number one thing that we must be concerned about is the dignity and the sanctity of life. And if I'm going to show my concern about immigration or poverty, or if I don't have that central core. Understanding that foundational understanding of the dignity and the sanctity of life, all of it, other all that other is just for control and it is for the pursuit of my own agenda.
1: You
0: know,
2: it I, is the dignity and the sanctity of each human life. I, I, That's agree. I
1: you reminded me of, um, I, th- I believe it was Saint Mother Teresa when she was alive. Um, she was asked, um, it was either a mass shooting, school shooting, somewhere. Um, and if I get this correct, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. don't shoot me if I'm wrong. Just correct me. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe she said that um, why should we be surprised when she was yeah. asked about that shooting? Um, and her, her point wasn't, you know, she wasn't being flippant um, and like, yeah. what does it matter to me? She, she was telling the United States and the world, look, you kill children in the womb. You allow exactly in, in the United States. Here we have nine or ten states that um, allow what's called physician-assisted suicide. Exactly, and so yep. that was her point: is um, if if you teach the next generation that you can devalue life if you find a reason, well, then why are you surprised that they devalue life at just a different point than you do?
2: Exactly, exactly, and that's where you know the United States Bishop uh, come up with a document every four years called Faithful Citizenship. Performing consciousness for faithful citizenship. And I, I love this paragraph 22. It says, In our nation, abortion and euthanasia have become the preeminent threats to human dignity because it directly attacks life itself. Yeah. Let me repeat that, the preeminent. Now, I don't have the dictionary in front of me. <laughs> but when I hear the word preeminent, it means to me the most important, the first and foremost, that which must be addressed first. So because it, all the other issues wane in the light of abortion and euthanasia, and if we were to take these two groups together, they are the most voiceless, the most vulnerable, and the most innocent. Yep. And so this is the grand tragedy. So as Mother, Mother Teresa, if I can paraphrase, says, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> you know, if you're, if you're destroying the most innocent and the most vulnerable, what do you expect if they're five-year-olds or 15-year-olds? Yeah. You know, so what do you – so, again, it is a wake-up call to – our nation and our state in particular way right now because we are the destination place with this ruling we have become the destination place for abortion and there's the tragedy
1: yeah i I don't think um that people do understand that um kansas has um as as i understand it um some of the most loose abortion laws now on the record in the united states and and I think that would kind of dumbfound a lot of people, um, but then also hopefully bring them back to um, the understanding of.
2: Well, well Cody, how Cody, is I, I I said exactly what you said here several weeks ago, uh-huh. that we have the most lenient abortion laws in the United States, and I that young man stood up and he said and he corrected me. He says, "No, Father." Not in just the United States. We are the most lenient territory in the whole world. So I haven't double checked on that. <laughs> I haven't did a fact check on that. But it would make sense that if there is no regulation of the industry, and if everybody has the right to it yeah. and that our that our government funds, our taxpayer funds should go to support it. Yes, I mean I would say that I do not I cannot recall any other nation or any other territory in the world that would have such leniency. The whole world is watching Kansas right now. The whole world is, is watching Kansas.
1: And so that that makes me, uh, I'm sure that you probably would hit this, but um, I, I was recently told that um, uh, NARAL and uh, Planned Parenthood and all these um, high abortion uh, type of uh, operatives are going to start pouring money into Kansas oh, yeah. because they yeah. don't want to see this pass. And yeah. so um, if you could speak to that for just a moment, if you have any information on that, because I think it's important for people to understand that this is not one of those things that we can just sit down and go, eh, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll vote. We have to be very proactive about this.
2: Well, Cody, it's even worse than that. I'm. Assu- I mean, this is a, I believe this is a Catholic radio, is that correct? Yes, sir. Okay, Catholic. If all the Kansas went out, all the adult Kansas registered to vote, go out and vote. That is only thirteen to fifteen percent of our whole population here. Correct. We cannot do this as a Catholic community. Correct. We need those of the Christian worldview, which is so similar to ours when it comes to morality. We need every single Christian to go out and stand and vote for life so, and we have to be able to unite ourselves in, and uh unite ourselves as a christian community as a folks with the christian worldview to go out and continue to um, promote that dignity and sanctity and so uh, you know it's what's funny i was confronted here oh, a couple years ago and i've been in a pro-life movement for oh ages <laughs> i'm not gonna tell you my age now but anyway <laughs> ages and ages but i um was told one time, I said, well, how come all of a sudden the church is all of a sudden pro-life? And I said, what do you mean, all of a sudden? And they said, well, it's you know, ever since Roe versus Wade, they come, you know, here's the deal. I, now, someone might have to fact check me on this, but there is a document, part of the first book of the Apostolic Constitutions, called the Didache, chapter 2, verse 2, states that a person could not exterminate a child outside of the womb or inside of the womb. Now, this apostolic constitution we think is any written anywhere between oh fifty five and sixty five, seventy five or something like that. But about the same times the gospels were being written. So in the Didache, they are saying midwives to midwives especially, you cannot kill the child in the womb or out of the womb. Now. What's amazing is that in the Roman society at that time, the father of the family was basically the emperor (laughs) of the family, and he could thumbs up or thumbs down who lived, who died. Mm -hmm. And if he wanted a baby boy, he could, and he got a baby girl, he could thumbs down. So the midwives were asked to kill the child. Well, obviously, many of these midwives who were Christian were having trouble with this, and so they went to the bishops, and the bishops in the Didache said, no, you can't do that. So as I understand the story, the midwives then went and, uh, for fear of their own life. They went to the dump, and they dumped the babies in the dump, live babies in the dump, having already arranged with the other Christian community to come and save these baby girls. And so the church, from the very beginning, has been pro-life. And then again, of course, this is going to be, how should I say, non-compliance to the Roman law at the time. The Christian community was willing to stand for truth and stand for life. Yeah. Again, in the first century of the church, the first century of, of Christians. So it is not a recent thing. It is from days old. From the Lord's own uh, teachings himself, and then from the Didache, uh, one of our oldest documents in the apostolic Constitutions, we have this declaration and preservation of life. Wow. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah, so cool? it's So yeah. it's not just... A recent phenomenon
1: <laughs> no no and in fact when you talk about um, abortion you know they did they did it and they did it well not well in like a good way but they they did it often and a lot um back in that roman world um the book of ecclesiastes um, yeah. there is nothing new under the sun you're exactly right we may right, have right. new instruments of torture, new instruments of death, but uh, we're not the first people uh, to, and, and I'm not saying Catholics, uh, but, you know, there are some Catholics out there that get on board with this. But we're right, definitely right. not the first civilization to say that um, killing your children um, is an okay thing to do. And, and yeah, we've got to be those people. That is, like, I I wonder, if that young man um, that was talking with you, I wonder where he would get that thought <laughs> the church was okay with abortion yep. but then i yep. also do understand um you know i I'm, I'm not a child of the 60s 70s 80s and i'm uh, or of the 60s and 70s um, i was born in 80 um i also wasn't catholic until 16 years ago but i have okay, been told cool. i have been told that there was a lot of bad catechesis is that maybe where some of that comes from or <laughs> You tell me.
2: whether you were talking to a man of the 60s.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: So then you have... Yes. Ah, exactly. you just dated yourself. <laughs> I think it was not only
2: bad catechesis, but also the notion that I don't want to rock the boat. Gotcha. Okay. So Roe versus Wade, 1973, January. Uh-huh. Um, the bishop said little or nothing not to rock the boat. Okay. It was from the people. The people rose up and started protesting, um, you know, it, it, back when you were born in the early 80s, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I went to the March for Life for the first time in Washington, D.C. Oh, wow. um, I was there with maybe 10,000, 15,000 people, and most of them were blue hairs. Now, granted, I was in my early 20s, <laughs> but everybody was older than I am.
1: Yeah.
2: And I go there today, and it's six hundred, five hundred, six hundred thousand people, and most of them are high schoolers, yeah, in college. We,
1: we take some. It of is just own.
2: totally transformed, transformed, and and, and I, I keep telling these kids, we're going to come back, and we're going to march next year, and it has us pray that we might be able to march in victory, yeah. And every year I tell them we cannot lose hope. We have to continue to stand for life, march for life, and. Proclaim the dignity and the sanctity of each human person, and we'll do it in the, uh, with victory, or we'll do it with uh, resistance—one or the other. So, <laughs> amen. And so we have to keep coming back, brother. We have to keep coming back.
1: That is well. That is true.
0: <laughs> we need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about the value than both amendment with Father Bernie Georges. We're back on Double-Edged Sword Cutting to the Heart of a Deceptive Culture with Father Bernie Georges Value Them Both conducts the interview.
1: Well, Father, uh, we've got uh, uh, Father Bernie Georges on here with us uh, talking about do not be afraid to value life, having a great conversation going. Uh, thanks for being with us. It is kind of, it, it's not kind of, it is very important for us to understand, you know, the, um, there are a lot of people out there um, screaming, my body, my choice. I've even watched this at uh, what was called the oh, sure. Women's Rally several years ago and, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and things like that like that but abortion is so very harmful to women people don't understand that they think that this is freedom being able to go i can do whatever i want that's not true freedom but can you tell us why is abortion and how is abortion so harmful to women
2: well before i go there before i go there, yes sir let's let's take a look at this notion my body my choice Correct. um we, again, we are told as of the last year and a half, two years, <laughs> to trust science, right? Yeah, exactly. So when we trust science, we see it and it's not her body. Yeah, exactly. And this is what is so amazing is that, you know, again, you mentioned, you introduced me as being the state uh, chaplain for the Knights of Columbus. Our state, in this little state of Kansas, has just installed, as of last June, the 23rd 3D imaging sonogram. Now, what that sonogram does, it gives a science. (laughs) When the young lady sees the baby's eyelashes, his tiny little nose, his tiny little fingers, and his cute little toes, (laughs) they begin to say, hey, that's a baby. Yep. So it's not just trusting, quote, the DNA, the science, that it's a whole new DNA, different DNA than the mother. But it's also recognizing the face of God in that little baby. Now, I don't know what the statistics in Kansas are, but nationwide I read somewhere in an article that um eighty five to ninety percent of all the young ladies who get that three D imaging sonogram and see the little babies see the little bitty baby's eyebrow and his little tongue and sucking his fingers, stuff like that, eighty five to ninety percent save their babies. Yeah. So I really do I, I, so I don't know how many Knights of Columbus, uh, how many uh, babies we've saved with the Knights of Columbus sonograms uh, in the state of Kansas, but I know it's got to be in the hundreds, maybe thousands of young ladies. And again, that woman's right to know what is she doing? Yeah. And I think this is what part of the guilt and the shame that a woman has. Uh, g- g- answering your question here, part how it's so damn how it's so damaging is that she comes to realize the catastrophe that she, that, that she committed, the, 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 the destruction of an eternal life. You know, a lot, a lot of the young girls and young guys I counsel, I, I, I say, you know, young moms and dads don't realize that when they bring, they cooperate with God and bring a baby into existence. That baby never, ever, ever existed before. But it will live eternally. And that's the condition of our soul. And That's, again, our Christian worldview, is that when we die, we never really die. Yeah. And so this little child has an eternal soul. And so when the woman realizes that she may have uh, terminated this, this child, that this child live, is living eternally, and this is what causes so much grief and so much uh, harm to the young lady and with that realization that this is going to haunt her the rest of her days i was told a story several months ago that there was a a lady uh elderly lady on her deathbed and her family was gathered around her she was a little bit suffering dementia and what have you um and but she kept repeating a phrase she said i almost killed him i almost killed him and The kids, the adult children were around mom's bedside and they said, mom, what are you talking about? And she looked at her oldest child, her oldest son, and started weeping. Now here's this elderly woman who's carried that. Now she didn't obviously commit abortion, but she considered it. And she carried that for the rest of her days, even to that final breath. And I believe is power. And I've been with people, many people with, at their final moments, and the Holy Spirit has a way of reconciliation and mm-hmm. continue to move them so they can reconcile uh, themselves uh, with God and with their neighbor. And so I, I see this as the act of the Spirit for this elderly woman. And this is way before real versus weight. Way before real versus weight, when she had this opportunity, mm-hmm. and. Uh, but it is so the, the the sadness, the sadness and the grief that that a young lady deals with, and so so often it creates a void and it creates a hole in their heart. And there's part of them, and I've read studies on this before, is that it even makes them more sexually active because they want to fill that hole in their heart. Well, lo and behold, they achieve pregnancy again. And it very well may be another abortion. And so some of these young ladies, there's a statistic out there that a great percentage of ladies who get an abortion have already had previous abortions. Because they're trying to fill that hole in their heart. They're trying to, in a strange way, reconcile, reconcile the death that they brought about to another person. So this is, again, a strange thing with humanity. But we have... uh, we have a great, should I say, epidemic, if you will, among a lot of young ladies. And my heart goes out to them because, again, they are damaged. Um, they have a lot of scars. They have a lot of wounds. And I believe, I believe it's only the Lord Jesus Christ can heal them wounds those
1: Completely agreed. You know, you and I must have a lot of the same sources because I, I get to do um, a baptismal and marriage preparation uh, through St. Nick's Parish here. And uh-huh. um, th- that's the exact thing that I teach them about um, children never existing before, being a co-creator uh-huh. with God and then existing forever. And then I remind them to look in the catechism about what it says about a child because it calls a child a gift. And um, God has gifted me with uh, seven children on this earth. Um, and <laughs> Beautiful. So it is. It, it's such a blessing. Uh, but I, I think that's also part of uh, maybe changing the hearts and minds of people is um, we, we look at children as a right instead of a gift. And if we just start understanding what a gift they are. I'm not saying they're not going to pull out your hair. And um, I'm only 41, um, but I have a lot of gray hair. (laughs) And and, uh, as other people before. It's better to have gray
2: hair than no hair, brother.
1: Well, it's true, but I also shave my head, so it looks like I have no (laughs) (laughs) hair.
2: Well, I tell you what, uh, just to ease you you and your wife's uh, uh, heart for a little bit, my mother always said, that after the first six, it's a lot easier. <laughs> okay, so you've already passed the hump. Uh, I'm number nine oh, of 11 kids. Oh, awesome. So I'm pretty partial to number nines. Um, So anyway, just keep you're just starting out here, so just uh, keep going, brother. Keep going.
1: See, and and that is the awesome thing is is hearing people that love life. That's how it's going to catch on. Is people who love life. It it is kind of a strange thing, actually, in our culture to be sitting here on the radio um, and talking about uh, the sanctity of life and talking about how abortion is wrong, how it hurts women, um, and knowing that there are other people out there that are screaming back just as loud but we want to meet that Um, we we want to uh, meet Satan on the battlefield and say nope uh, we know who wins this war um, and it ain't you (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, so. Cody, let, let me back this up as well, and that is, as you mentioned, Planned Parenthood, NARAL, all these pro-aborts, right, they are going to be filling the airwaves. Uh-huh. Filling the airwaves, all the radio, all the TV, all the cable, that's going to be bombarded. We're going to be bombarded. The state of Kansas is going to be bombarded with all this propaganda. And, and we need there's no way we can compete with the finances they're going to have so we must do what we can to support radio catholic radio so that this conversation can be can uh, can be achieved and, and and at least right now we still have a first amendment <laughs> yeah, <no laughs> where we kidding. can where we can have this discussion on on the radio and so you know when when more and more people are simply turning off their TVs they're turning off their their regular mainstream radio stations and what have you. And they're tuning in to Catholic radio because it is going to be that which lifts the heart, builds the heart, and expands the heart to receive more and more God's grace. So this is why we must, all of you out there, you must continue to support Catholic radio. And throughout the nation, but especially right here in Kansas, Uh, because, again, we are in dire need, especially right now, to uh, receive the support from you so that we can continue this conversation, because it's just beginning. This conversation is just beginning in the state of Kansas, and um, we are going to have to continue to drill down and continue to educate more people, and invite, and invite. You wouldn't believe how many people in RCIA that I've had over the last 10, 15 years came to interest in the Catholic faith through Mother Angelica and through Catholic Radio. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just profound. Yeah. And I mean, cause, but it also tells us that we as Christians here on the, on the, on the ground game, we're not doing our job. That's <laughs> <Yeah>, true. <laughs> we have to rely on the air game. But we, we all have to work together, the air game, the ground game. You know, uh, We have to keep on, keep on, keep on, um, and promoting uh, the Catholic faith. So we must continue to keep, keep, keep getting out there. And that's why I think Catholic radio is so important. Uh, So and I want to thank all the listeners who are listening right now, all those who have uh, contributed. Um, Thank you for your support and continue the good things that God has begun. And yeah.
1: Thank you, Father. Wonderful mess. Uh, Our society out there um, believes that abortion is a good uh, because they don't understand the value of life. Uh, But they also then obviously don't understand that this has societal consequences and not good ones. And so, uh, Father, uh, how could you educate us on um, how does abortion affect society?
2: Well, well, first of all, let's, let's go back to an 80s song. <laughs> what is love?
1: <laughs> Baby, don't so, hurt me. Huh? <laughs> that's so funny that you mentioned that. I just gave but a talk the, the other question day. Today. <laughs> yeah.
2: What is love yeah. and so jesus christ suspended between heaven and earth on that cross as we look upon that crucifix that is our most clear most clear definition of what love is the willingness to give yourself over to pour yourself out for the sake of the other capital o for the sake of god and for the sake of lowercase o the other uh, the people of god build up the church so what is love love is the willingness to sacrifice ourself for the sake of someone else so what is it that little children these little gifts that god gives us what do they do they naturally and i say naturally pull us out of ourselves so that we give to them they naturally pull us out of ourselves so that we become naturally sacrificial that we practice this temperance and this fortitude to take care of the little ones so that we might be more and more open to the theological gift of love. So that we might be more and more open to the expanse of divine grace so that we might be able to take that that discipline or whatever you have with temperance and fortitude that to take care of our children, that we could take that and we could transform it into sacrificial love. So why is it that children are not seen as gifts? Well, is because they're calling for sacrifice. They're calling for maybe, calling for us to maybe not being able to do kind of what we want to do. And you see, it as a father of seven, you've seen that countless times. Yeah. Are you get ready to pull out, to go out and visit family or what have you. Got all the kids in the car, the van, and all of a sudden one little kid goes, <laughs> right, we got to change plans. We have to change plans and we have to yep. say, okay, I guess we can't go over, uh, you know, do what we want to do. Yep. And so it's, it's a sacrifice. And so little ones give us the ability to love. They give us the challenge to love. And some people simply aren't there yet. And so when there is an unplanned pregnancy, a lot of times they say, well, you know, we're, we're not ready for this kind of sacrifice. We're not ready for love. And unfortunately, selfish, selfishness is the opposite of self-sacrifice. So how does that affect our society, brother? Man, it's because, again, it, if we live on selfishness. If we were to construct our society on might makes right or whoever has the most power wins or can make the rules um, and you do everything because of what you, how should I say, want to do when you want to do it, that licentiousness and that, that drive for power is what destroys society. And this is what Christian Christianity from the very beginning of jesus christ and also the people that god had prepared from adam and eve noah abraham and moses and david how god prepared his people so that we might be people of sacrifice and not selfishness that we might be people who are able to give of ourselves for the sake of the other and that is what is in the crosshairs today as a society so I'm going to drop the big C word here. <laughs> the number one enemy of Christianity
1: is communism. Communism. No way did you just say that. You, if I could show people my paper, I was writing down notes. And when you said, <laughs> might makes right, see it. I'll circle it here. I put communism. No way exactly, did you just brother. say that. Yep.
2: Now, I want to go back to... Um, how many hours do we have today? It was that like five hours? What is it? How many hours? <laughs> well, you're a priest. I'm, started, I'm not going to
1: tell you when to st- No, I do have to tell you when to stop at some point, but we got about 15 minutes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we could go back to the, some of the early documents of the, uh, should, late documents of the 19th century, where church, the church speaks to, uh, I forget which pope it was, it was uh, I want to say 1850s, 18. It was responding to Karl Marx's uh, 1840 documentation on uh, uh, Marxism. But the church speaks to naturalism. And it's fascinating that they use this term. This naturalism basically says, in nature, we can govern ourselves and we can do what we want to do because we have the natural ability to make those decisions. Now, in other words, what they were saying is that we have this natural ability. We do not need an external lawgiver. We do not need an external morality that's going to shape us and conduct our behavior. We can get it all through our natural selves. And so the church called this naturalism. Another word it used for it is liberalism. Now, this liberalism means that we have the freedom that... We have the, the personal freedom. It's kind of like a, uh, a crazy libertarian, if you want to use it that way. Uh, liberalism that says, I'm, I don't need any exterior exterior rules to govern my life by. In other words, I don't need the Ten Commandments. I don't need the Beatitudes. I don't need the teachings of the Jesus Christ. And lo and behold, I don't need a church to tell me what to do. Right? The church states that this will give birth. This is a cuadricentos años, I believe, in uh, 1931. It says this naturalism will give birth to two ugly sisters. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I might have thrown that word "ugly" in there, but anyway, <laughs> it throws. It gives birth to two sisters. One called socialism, where the government controls uh, the production of goods. And then communism, which follows after, which controls not only the the production of goods, but also the consumption of goods. So that the dignity and the sanctity of each human person is suppressed to the state. So only to the degree in which the only to the degree in which this person is going to contribute to the state who has now become God and the ultimate ultimate King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the state determines the value of the person. And that is why we, what we see in Chinese communism today, uh, the total degradation of the human person, the, you know, the, with the, the ungar, I believe they pronounce that way, ungar, the way they're just systematically used as, as cattle, mm-hmm. um, where any, you know uh, anybody who is uh, in uh, any threat to the state, the, the sovereign power, is simply eliminated or terminated. Yeah. And that is where, because we have no under, they have no understanding of the dignity and the sanctity of each human life. What I think is so profound, and, and we see this in countless documents, especially since eighteen uh, ninety-one, uh, of Arm, is that every person, no matter what race, creed, nationality, every person is made in the dignity and the likeness of God, the sanctity and and the, and the dignity of God. So wow, we, we, have, we have truly influenced human civilization for 2,000 years, and we will continue to have this arch enemy called communism. It just it seems as in uh, prior to the Cold War, well, the, the Bolshevik Revolution and, and those before, um, that we were able to keep it in check. But when we have been infiltrated by this selfishness, in our nation, our society has given way to accept disregard for human dignity, the disregard for the sanctity of each person, the disregard for God, this external force that helps guide us and and mold us into a certain behavior. So again, we uh, we have slowly committed ourselves to the acceptance of communism, and that's why what we see in so many young people today, college students today, that uh, they're willing uh, to accept this sort of, should I say, this taint uh, to human nature. Oh, boy, I just went off on. Yeah, sorry about that, dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that,
2: that so was... How uh, does it affect society? Wow. <laughs> yeah, obviously. I, I need a couple more hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, uh, I know we don't have long here, but uh, as you were speaking there, I was also thinking of a um, fascist Nazi Nazi Germany. Um, And maybe you know this, but um, in the Nuremberg trials, um, I I had had to do a little bit of research on this. And to the best of my knowledge, once again, I don't know everything, and I'm willing to uh, be schooled on this. Um, But I was looking through this, and it seems that um, in the Nuremberg trials, um, the Nazis, uh, these uh, German uh, officials that are being tried for war crimes, their first defense was basically, yeah, we did it, but it was our own country, and we were just following what our dictator told us to do. And so you can't actually try us because this is our own country, our own rules. And that's what it ends up being, whether you're talking about um, communism, yeah. fascism, um, because then what happened is the, the, this, uh, whether you want to call it tribunal, whatever it would be, that's probably not the right term, uh, but uh, they they were like, uh-oh, they kind of got us. They're right. And so the funny thing, they had to pull out natural law. They, they, yep. had, they had to say, "Well, wait a minute, there has to be a law greater than just whatever country makes their laws, that's yeah. right for their country. So they pulled out natural law and used it for their benefit to be able to uh, prosecute the um, German officials, um, and then to my best understanding, they put it back in the closet when they were done with it.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly right, brother. Because, okay, I have to be sensitive here, but okay. the Nazis did not kill any Jews,
1: Okay, so yeah, you're going to have to explain that
2: one. <laughs> so yeah, 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 okay? I'm going I'm to raise the ire, raise the ire of somebody. What they did is that they were success, successfully convinced that the Jews were no longer human uh-huh. and that they were a virus to be eliminated. Now, stop for a second. What they did is they stripped the, the Jewish people, and everybody else who was in their way, by the way, yeah. but they stripped the, the, the Jewish people from their humanity, from their dignity and sanctity. And so they were able to uh, commit this atrocity because their worldview stated that they were doing a good thing by eliminating a virus. So if if a person has that worldview, you can see why they might be stunned for a moment because you have the conflict of two worldviews. And that's what Christianity must continue to bring to the forefront, which is based on our sacred scripture and based on natural law, that we must bring to the forefront and say, no, 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 no. Everybody has that dignity and sanctity. So you see the slippery slope without natural law, without this external uh, governance of the human person. um, We can. We can simply justify Anything with our with uh with our own personal constructed worldview. So you're right on, brother. You're right on.
1: Yeah, I think people would do well to research Margaret Sanger and see the words that oh, she wrote um, about uh, yeah. about uh, black people being like weeds and they should be exterminated. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. You know that. So when you said that, I mean, you're looking right at Nazi Germany, and and you're going, well, wait a minute. There are people in our own era that are saying the exact same thing. And like you said, so now we understand why you said they didn't kill any Jews, because to them, they weren't people. To them, they are a disease, or they are a weed, and we all know what we do with diseases and weeds. Yeah,
2: yeah. well, brother, you can do that with every single war. War is not of God. So before a person can truly strike out and kill someone or someone, they have to dehumanize it first. I, I I, I had this great professor. He said, it's almost impossible. It can't be done. But it's almost impossible for one human being to kill another human being. And we were looking like, what? He says, nope. He says, what they have to do is, in their mind, they have to dehumanize them first. Then they can strike. So when we were, when I was in in, in my teens... And Roe versus Wade came about, and they said, "Oh, it's just tissue. The fetus is just tissue." Well, you can just it's, it's not a baby, it's tissue." And then as it grew oh, as time passed, well, then you know, it, it, you know we have all these different things. like a tumor, it's like, okay, we have all these different things. And now, even with science as it is, the abortionists will say, you simply, well, it, it, you found out you're pregnant, and you, you have a problem, and we're the problem fixers." We can uh, we can help solve your problem, so it still dehumanizes the baby. So all I'm doing is taking care of a problem. So again, I I I am of that contention that it's almost impossible for a human being to kill another human being. They have to devalue, they have to dehumanize first, and that is why the 3D imaging sonogram is so important in our day to day is because it shows us it's a baby. It's a human being, isn't that kind of cool?
1: So true, Father. That gives me more to think about. Hey, we've got we've got just a couple minutes here left. I got two last things for you. One, uh, quickly, uh, what can we do to promote voting yes on the value them both amendment? And then two, um, when you are done, uh, will you be able to uh, leave us with your priestly blessing?
2: You betcha! You betcha! Well, first of all. I think what we have to do is that we have to start the conversation. We, can't, we cannot just be people of, quote, action, end quote. <laughs> right? gotcha. We have to do something more than that. We have to be more than just people of action here. We have to be people of advocacy. And when I say advocacy, to be a person with a voice for the unborn child, for the elderly, for the poor, we have to be that voice for those who cannot speak so that means that we must be not afraid to tell our story of why we are pro-life. We must not be afraid to, how should I say, get in that discussion at Thanksgiving or Christmas when our family gathers and basically speak to our story. Why is it that we believe in the dignity and the sanctity of each human life, born and unborn? So again, what is it that we can do? Yes, we must go out there, we must speak our story for the sake of the little ones, for the sake of the elderly, for the sake of the poor. We have to be, have a consistent life ethic. But the preeminent issue is going to be abortion and euthanasia. And this is where, again, we must do all we can to be their voice. And so how is it that we can be that voice? How is it that we can get people to vote yes for this amendment? Do not be afraid. To put on uh, little baby feet on your lapel. <laughs> All right? Because when you go to checkout at Walmart, people will look at that little, little baby feet and they'll say, well, what is that? It gives you an opportunity to tell your story. That is so that you begin to speak to the world around you, wherever God has placed you, those people that God has placed in your life, beginning with your family, but to be able to speak the story of life, to speak, to tell their story because they have no voice to tell it, to be able to show like these little pins that I'm wearing right now, those little uh, 10 week old baby feet, right? To be able to say to someone, this is the size of a baby's feet 10 weeks old in the mother's,
1: mother's womb. Thank you so much, To be much, able to Father. speak to that story. And so I think mean,
2: that's the first thing. And then, we, you know, we have to be able to say, how is it that we might be able to have some pro-life literature that maybe we can hand out or have it available to us? How is it that we might be able to put a sign maybe in our front yard, put a bumper sticker on our car while it's still legal to express our own, uh, have yeah. our own expression? Okay. <laughs> so so anyway, so and then maybe a road sign, a yard sign? Uh, these are all things that we must get every single neighbor we have to have an understanding of what value them both is and what being pro-life is to get them to tell their story. There is no reason why. And in a few months, we're going to have a yard signs and road signs. But every single person with a Christian worldview needs to have a road sign, needs to have a yard sign. That's what we do to start. continue to educate people on to the value them both and how that child has a sanctity, that mother has sanctity, and she's scared, and she's being pushed by our society to be selfish or to take that take that avenue, and that we might be able to support her, support her offspring, support her in any way we can to save that baby and to give dignity to that young girl's life. So again, we must, we must continue to tell our story. That mean, that's what it means by... To be an advocate for this young uh, young lady and this uh, unborn child
1: fantastic thank you father we appreciate me, you let, being let on let here. me
2: close with this cody yes sir and that is this is the year of saint joseph we are just coming to its conclusion uh saint joseph it's his 150th year as being named the universal patron of the church Wonderful. he is the patron saint of husbands he's the patron saint of fathers patron saint of men in general but he really had only one duty God asked him to do one thing, take care of the unborn baby and that unborn baby's mother. (laughs) Okay? Thank you, Father. We we dedicate this whole movement, we dedicate this whole endeavor to St. Joseph, and we ask, we plead uh, for his intercession to touch the hearts and lives uh, of all Kansas. Thank so you. that we might be able to get uh, the value of them both. And, again, to not be afraid, to not be afraid uh, to value them to value them both, to value life, to be able to stand in contradiction uh, to the world around us. Brother. All right. So, thank you. Great again, message,
1: Father. We appreciate you, you being on. I wish we had more time. Um, if you oh, would God. impart your blessing upon us, uh, we would love to uh, end with that.
2: Cody, thank you very much, and thank you to all listeners, and I cannot— uh, I, I cannot emphasize enough how important your uh, listening is, your 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 stewardship of your gifts uh, to support Catholic Radio. Continue to your what God has done for you. Continue to uh, the good things He has begun, and continue to uh, support this endeavor to bring the message of Jesus Christ into the airwaves and into all of Kansas. The Lord be with you and with your, and spirit. With your spirit. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you, Father Bernie.
2: God bless you, Cody. We could talk forever, or (laughs) at least I could.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM Lindsborg, Salina, 88.1 KRTT Great Bend, and 88.1 KBDM Hayes. If today you hear his voice, Pardon not your hearts.